Hey there, welcome to Beyond the Bikini podcast, where you can enhance your body and your mind. My name is Nicole Ferrier, exercise science grad, certified personal trainer, bikini competitor, and coach. On this podcast, you will learn more about my experience in the fitness industry, competing in bikini competitions, mental health, and how to gain more success in your own life in your fitness journey. So sit back, relax, or power through this cardio session and enjoy. Hey guys, on the Beyond the Bikini podcast, you know I talk a lot about training and nutrition. Trust me, it can be hard to hit the gym consistently, track your macros to a T, and feel like you're making progress. So rather you're a newbie in the gym or someone who's been hitting the gym consistently but possibly hit a plateau, then I recommend you check out my one-on-one coaching. No, I do not only coach prep clients, but I coach lifestyle clients as well. I would love to hear more about your goals, so feel free to apply for my one-on-one coaching down below at the link. There we can discuss what you're wanting to accomplish in the gym, with your relationship with food, and how I can help you reach your goals. I have one of my good friends here, Alexis. Um, hi, Alexis. How are you today? Hi, Nicole. I'm doing okay. How are you? I'm doing good. I'm excited to have you on your, well, on my podcast. (laughs) I'm already prep brain, so I'm going to let people already know in advance that I might stumble upon a couple words, but Alexis and I have been friends through Instagram for, what, is it like two years now? I would say at least three years, because like, that's when I started competing was three years ago, so we've known each other for a while. It's so like interesting that you can make like online virtual friends, but I'm excited to have you on. Thank you for taking time to record with me today. Oh, thank you so much. I'm so just glad that you asked me. Oh, well, why don't you take a moment and introduce yourself? Like, tell us a little bit about you and your past with competing. Okay, well, um, first off, my full name is Alexis Collins, and I would say that my entire journey started pretty young. I feel like everybody who's a competitor kind of says, you know, I've always been active as a teenager growing up, and that's also true for me. Um, But I think the biggest difference with me is I started competing probably later than most people do. Um, Mm -hmm. I feel like a lot of people have started competing around the age of like 20, 21, and I was 27 when I decided to compete. And... um, which is not old. It's just a lot of no. competitors compete at like 20, like I did. Yeah. And I mean, it just it's just where we were all at at the time of our lives when bodybuilding and the bikini division got popular. I just happened to be 27 and, you know, you were in your 20s. So it's just like, it's just different for everybody. Yeah. Uh, so you wanted to compete because of your athletic background, but tell me a little bit more about like, who was the first competitor that like inspired you? And you're like, Oh my gosh, I want to do that. Wow. You know what? I don't even think I can pinpoint a single person. I think I just started seeing bikini competitors on Instagram and I thought to myself, I could do that. I know I could do that. And I had been in a really good spot um, with my physique and how I felt about myself and a really good spot with my relationship with food. And I thought 
I want to take my fitness to the next level. Like I already weightlift. I want to see what I can do. And just after seeing the physiques on Instagram, I started looking for a coach. And that was kind of when I just decided that I was going to compete. And what's crazy is I had never even seen a bodybuilding show before oh competing, which was probably one of the biggest mistakes I made. Um, but yeah, I guess that's kind of how it started. Just, you know, Instagram. <laughs> Instagram. Yeah. You know, who inspired me when I first started was Nikki Blackner. Yeah. Um, I started, I, so I've been on YouTube for a long time and I remember seeing her like workout and I was like, whoa, like she like lifts, like this is cool. And I always wanted to get stronger and I've been like longer and lanky. Mm-hmm. So it was hard for me to get strong and put on muscle. But then the more I got into it, it's like a prep dark tunnel of Instagram. Yeah, <laughs> like it it's, really is. It's no, never ending. I would have to say one woman that stood out to me was Danilyn Bailey. And it's funny because she was a straight up bodybuilder. Like she was the highest level of musculature that you can get. And mm-hmm. at, at the time, at the time. Yes. And I had never really aspired to look like her, but she just motivated me to want to take, take my physique to the next level. Um, and then another one was Cassandra Martin. She was another one that now I can recall seeing and thinking, wow, these ladies just put in so much work towards, towards their physique goals. And it, it was just amazing to see. Yeah. And I really liked Dana for her work ethic. And that was something that I'd never seen before. And once I didn't have my sports, I was like, I need to do something for like my, my time. Like I was just used to being in the gym for like 20 hours a week. So I just transitioned it. Um, Okay, so Alexis, why don't you tell us a little bit about what you're currently doing, like, what your degrees are in. I know that you're in school right now. Tell us a little bit more about that. Uh, Well, I have a bachelor's degree in human biology. And with that, you can kind of, I feel like you can only go back to school, which is what I'm doing. Um, I got accepted to the University of Michigan for their master's in public health and nutrition program. You should say that happier. I know. I don't know. I am so excited because the road to get there was so long and I'm, I'm just so blessed that I even got here. I wanted to be a doctor. I feel like my parents really pushed that on me. So I went to school for pre-med, studied, took my MCAT, didn't do that well and didn't end up getting into med schools. Then I wanted to be a physician's assistant, thought that's the next best thing, studied, Mm -hmm. took my GRE, didn't get in again, and I felt pretty defeated after that. And I ended up um, becoming certified as a phlebotomist technician, which if nobody knows what that technical term is, I'm basically a professional vampire. I draw- Basically my worst nightmare. (laughs) I know, everybody hates Um, I draw blood on all the patients at a hospital that, that I work at. Um, and while it's such gratifying work, it's definitely not something I want to do for the rest of my life. So I'm just so blessed that I got into this master's program and I can't wait to come out of it with just so much more knowledge about nutrition and health. And my ultimate goal is to design meal plans and programs for people with chronic illnesses and show them that they can basically heal themselves with food and not so much using medication. 
Wow. Wow. I love that more of like a holistic approach to health instead of, Hey, you have a problem. Here's Bill. Exactly. Wow. Um, Alexis. So one thing I wanted to talk about, and I know that this subject is a little bit sensitive. Um, and I, I do want to let all of our listeners know that if you're struggling with any sort of disordered eating, I'm going to put out any sort of like trigger warning right now and let both of you guys, well, all the listeners know that we're not like medical doctors out giving advice. We're just going to talk about our experience struggling with a disordered relationship with food. Um, but Alexis, I really want you to go into detail about your relationship with food before competing and after competing. And I'm going to, you know, come in and talk about some similarities that we had. Cause I feel like when we first connected, like, Oh yeah, we both competed. And then we realized that we both struggled with a similar disorder. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely a heavy one for sure. Um, so I am so glad that you did that disclaimer as well. Um, I think one of the biggest things that I want to point out to people is that I didn't develop my eating disorder because of competing. I actually had it before I even competed. Mm-hmm. And some people don't think that they should compete if they've ever had issues with eating. And, and I think that's, that's a choice that each individual has to make for themselves. Um, but as far as my case goes, I, I struggled with food pretty early on, um, mainly because I had a lot of insecurities around other women. Like I felt that they looked better than me or I'd get jealous if my boyfriend at the time was looking at another woman. And I just constantly thought that I had to be a certain image. Yeah. It was never my parents. Like my parents, my mom never was like constantly dieting. I wasn't around like all this diet culture, I guess you could say growing up, but I think it just stemmed from my own insecurities. And, um, it actually started out more so as a bulimia phase because I I remember the first time I ever, I guess, experienced what an eating disorder was. Um, Mm -hmm. it was Thanksgiving and my boyfriend at the time and I were at my parents' house and I had literally gorged myself on so much food. And I felt most people do that day, but yeah. yeah and, and there, there's a point where it's totally okay to do. And then there's a point where you like physically can't move and you feel like you want to throw up and you just like, can't do anything else, but think about how uncomfortable you are. And, um, my boyfriend told me to just go in the bathroom, put my fingers down my throat and I'd feel better. Yeah. That's so that's so fucked up. It, it really is. And like, I didn't even think anything of it. I was like, oh, okay. And I listened to him and I did. And because of that, I saw it as a way to fix myself if I ever did overeat. Um, yeah. I wouldn't classify myself as someone who had bulimia because it wasn't something I did every single time. But I have been diagnosed with binge eating disorder. And that's the one that developed after that. Yeah. Now, why don't we go through talking about the difference between overeating and binging? Because me as an online coach, I always hear my clients are like, oh, I binged, I binged, I binged. Mm -hmm. And I I just feel like that term is so loosely used because I myself, so my, I actually got diagnosed with my eating disorder and um, 
I've been in such a good place for a, for a while. Um, I think everybody's going to have slip ups and relapses here and there, but it's about the consistency. And overall, I've been so healthy mentally, and I'm so happy with that. But my diagnosis was anorexia bulimia subtype, which is very interesting. Um, I primarily have anorexic tendencies with bulimia as well. Mm-hmm. So it's very interesting. Like if you feel like you can only be like one or the other, no, like you can be a combination of things. Um, and that can be your disorder. But let's talk about the difference between overeating and binge eating, because I will be damned if I hear one more email of someone saying, oh, I just binged and they had like two Oreos. Yeah, it's there's definitely a big difference. And I've I've seen that a lot, too, across social media and the word is being thrown around so lightly and it's not lightly at all. Like binging is, is a very dark emotional. Yeah. And I mean, of course, with everything we talk about, it's going to look so different for everybody else. But Mm -hmm. I would say overeating is like, you normally have one or two pieces of pizza and maybe here you had, three pieces and a few breadsticks and now you're stuffed that's that's maybe an overeating session a binge is I'm determined to finish this entire pizza and all the breadsticks I ate because I don't want to emotionally deal with what else is going on yeah you're using food as a distraction which uh, shocker, most people do. Mm-hmm. Um, that's why whenever you like go through a breakup, they're like, oh, let's just like go get ice cream or like get drunk. Like you're using food as a distraction. Um, but being in like a binging phase, like you're almost feeling out of body and out of control. Like I know when I had binges, like I felt like I blacked out. And then like I look in the trash can of like wrappers or like empty cartons of like ice cream. And I was like, what the fuck just happened? Yeah. It's like you don't even know what's going on. And it's like you, you can't even tell yourself to stop continuing going to the pantry and eating this and you can't keep the peanut butter jar shut and you, you can't even tell yourself no. And if you do tell yourself no, you don't even listen to yourself because you don't know really what's going on. It is seriously an uncontrollable urge to binge on food. And it's kind of the same thing for people who are addicted to drugs. It's, oh, yeah. It's- it releases dopamine. Yeah, because, oh, my God, eating food feels so good. I mean, it's an enjoyable experience, and you're distracting yourself from something else. So it's like, well, I'm, I can't study right now. I'm too busy eating. So you just keep eating. Or I can't feel this emotion right now. I can't go through this breakup. I might as well keep eating. I'm just going to keep eating. And then you don't think about what you really need to be thinking about and dealing with, and you yeah. end up eating all the food that you have in your house only to find afterwards that it didn't even work. You still come back to those same thoughts that you had before you even started, but now you feel a billion times worse about yourself. It's like an alcoholic who drinks and then they get really drunk at night and then they wake up with a hangover and their problems are still there. Like the reason why you're binging and having these episodes is because of something more internal and I think what's really hard is for people to discover what that internal thing is Um, and one advice that I give to my clients is 
if they ever have like a relapse or a slip up, which I do not take clients who are currently struggling with an eating disorder. However, I do understand whenever the thoughts come in place, it's different when the actions take in place. Mm -hmm. I had to put that disclaimer out there. But if they have the thoughts, I'm like, okay, what are the emotions you're feeling? Do you feel stressed? Do you feel tired? Like what's going on? Do you just get in like a fight? Are you um, going through like a huge life switch? Like what is going on? Because a lot of times that is used as a coping mechanism for something else going on in your life. And you really have to be present with yourself, which is so uncomfortable sometimes. Um, and ask yourself, like, what's going on? Like, what am I feeling? So you can take notes in the future. And I know for me, when I was struggling with this, my biggest issue was feeling abandonment and feeling alone. Um, and that's what would cause my binges and also feeling threatened, like feeling like, not safe in my environment yeah so so you reach for food to feel safer because it's a feel-good thing yeah yeah I know I know for me mine definitely was because I didn't feel worthy I didn't feel like I was like worthy enough for my parents to accept me because I didn't get into med school I didn't get into PA school I kept failing and I didn't know what to do next and I thought I'll just distract myself with something else. And then I started eating all the food and it's like, you don't even realize that that's what you're actually doing is distracting yourself from what you really need to be doing. But mine was because I, I didn't feel worthy. And then I just felt more unworthy, the worse I felt about myself. So it's just a, it's just a bad state to be in. It will never make you feel better whenever you're about to binge. So, um, my biggest advice to those who are struggling with binge eating is number one, tell someone like I reached out to you Mm -hmm. through social media. Um, and we connected on that and you helped me through hard times, but also like I, what I also like found a therapist because I'm like, there's something wrong. So connect with someone professionally if needed to, but you have to tell someone, you have to tell people who have your like trigger foods. Like, do you, do you want to talk about like what trigger foods are? Yeah. Um, I do want to say one thing, though. I'm glad that you said just talk to someone. You didn't say go get therapy because um, I tried therapy. I went to two sessions and I just felt like my therapist was belittling me. So I'm sure I just didn't get, you know, the perfect one for me, the perfect match. Yeah. But um, I did tell my boyfriend that I'm with now still. I told him about it. And it's crazy, too, because we were only dating for like six, seven months. And I divulged this like huge thing to him and he just fully accepted me for it. And, um, really telling somebody and if they truly love you and want to be there for you, they can help you. And he helped me a ton get through it. So yeah, definitely tell somebody cause you can't go through it alone. Yeah. If you don't tell anyone, all those thoughts and feelings are just going to manifest and turn into something even more. So I think one thing too, when it came to binge eating and overcoming that and overcoming my bulimia tendencies was I had to completely remove all of my foods. Yeah. And then reintroduce them back in. I'm so proud of myself. Like, I'm just going to like toot my own horn for a second. I can have peanut butter in the house now. And I haven't been able to do that for a long time. Yeah. That is such a huge win. And honestly, I think a lot of you know, even lifestyle clients who want to drop weight or competitors, peanut butter is a big deal. Like, I don't know what they do to that, even the natural stuff, but it is like, 
it's they literally just put crap in it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, removing trigger foods. Um, and what is a trigger food? It's definitely going to be something that you can't say no to. Yeah. It's like, it's like that Lay's chips thing where it's like, you can't just have one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and it's something that I, I know for me, I can feel the presence of my trigger foods in the house, even if I can't see them. If I know mentally that I have peanut butter in the house or I have Oreos in the house or I it's have, yeah, it's, it just like, it sits in my head and it's like, we're here, we're here, you know, you want us, you know, you want us. So definitely removing those foods that just stress you out to be around helps so much. And competitors, for the love of God, stop doing junk food hauls for posts show oh my goodness I can't even take it anymore I was about to I haven't told anybody this I was about to do a show early and I was told that I wouldn't even be allowed to peak or celebrate after and I had so many competitors like give me a funky look I was like I'm not competing for the post-show food honey I'm competing for a pro card like I'm not competing for the food and I think a lot of these competitors out here are just like stocking up on all this food for this post-show blowout and it's like why are you competing are you trying to cover something up yeah and and girls will show up with suitcases of food it's insane i mean i remember my first show and like i total newbie first show didn't know what to expect whatsoever i brought my favorite beer to my show because that's what I wanted post show you love your alcohol I know that's that's my biggest downfall but and like I got there and everybody's like oh I made homemade cake pops I have these brownies I bought these cupcakes I have 20 donuts in my hotel waiting for me and I'm like what (laughs) and uh, I had no idea that that's what it was about I just wanted my beer and a trophy at the end of it you're like I'll take a shot thank you yep (laughs) Yeah. So competitors out there, please do not stock up on a bunch of foods like that. And you can have them, but don't bring them home with you. Okay. Go out for your meal, go out for your ice cream. Don't bring it back home. All right. There's a time and place. And right now when your metabolism is slow as a turtle, you do not need that at home. It's going to fuck you up. Yeah. And that's, that's the biggest thing too. If, if you're going to your show and the first thing you say is, I'm just so excited to have a donut after. You're doing it wrong. You should go to your show and say, I can't wait to present my physique to these judges. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's the mindset you need when you're going to your show. I haven't even thought about, like, my post-show meal, to be honest. I'm just thinking about winning my class. Like, that's all I want. Yeah. And that's where, that's where your mind should be, for sure. I'm not going to lie, because... I could go for a sushi roll, but yeah. Well, that's not, that's okay. That's like <laughs> whoa, crazy razor right there. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um. Okay. So why don't you go into detail a little bit about your post show experiences? Because I know that you have um, multiple. So like, kind of go through your competing history and what the post show looked like for both of those. Okay. Well, the first show I ever did was the Natural Ohio, and immediately after that, I was competing in the Pittsburgh Pro, Um, so I didn't really have much of a post-show experience. I just kind of, I think, had a meal, and then I got right back into prep because I was competing in like two weeks, I think it was, or no, it was more Mm -hmm. like four weeks, Um, 
But then after I competed at the pit pro, I took four months off and I didn't really know like what post-show meant. I didn't know how fragile my body was. Um, and so I did have the post-show treats and trolls and did brunch the next day and got home and wanted to hit every restaurant that I haven't been able to go to with my boyfriend. And in my head, I'm like, I'm so lean. It's It's fine. It's no big deal. My body's just going to eat it up. And yeah, your body eats it up and puts it right in your stomach and you gain the fat back super fast. Your body post-show is primed and ready for fat gain. Mm-hmm. It is not anabolic, ladies and gents. You are not gaining 10 pounds of muscle in a day. You are gaining water, you are gaining glycogen, and you could possibly be gaining some fat too. Yeah. And I see a lot of competitors that like, the next two or three days they're like man my body needed that food man my body just used all that up and they're vascular and their abs are popping and it's like yeah your body used it all because it's basically been starved this entire time but if you continue to do this your body is just gonna eat it up and save it because yeah it's not metabolically active enough to burn everything that you're eating yeah. And what's going on too is like that, that crazy vascular poppy look to poppy. That's not even whatever. It's a word now to your body with your veins. Like that's all due to your glycogen stores being filled up. Once you reach your limit, that's when the fat gain is going to start to happen. Like that's why you can get away with it for like a day or two. Like, wow, I feel great. Everything feels awesome. Of course, your workouts are freaking amazing. You just filled up your energy stores and your muscles. But after that, like you're going to start putting on fat and it comes on fast, especially for females. Our bodies are meant to store fat. Yeah, it comes on really fast. I, uh, I ended up gaining just about all my weight back in that four months. And um, I guess to put it in perspective, because we, we like numbers, but we don't like having to deal with numbers. But I will disclose mine. Um, I am 5'7". And when I started prep, I was 140 pounds. And then my stage weight ended up being 120 pounds. I was, I was tiny. I felt tiny. I felt frail. Um, so once post-show came and I was like, woohoo, off season, I didn't really know what to do. Um, so I just ate the food and enjoyed my life. And I got back up to, I think, 145 pounds. And then wanted to still compete again that year. And so I did. I got back into a prep. Um, and I think I was in prep for 16 weeks, 18, 18 weeks. And I did the Kentucky Muscle. Um, and I think my stage weight for that was higher. It was like 125. Because I had basically rebounded, gained all my weight back. Um, I didn't take my off season seriously. I didn't really know what to do. I did have a coach um, and he didn't do anything wrong. It's just, I wasn't listening. I wasn't being adherent. I didn't know the repercussions and maybe that's something he should have shared more with me. Well, look, if you do this, this is going to happen. You're going to gain this weight. So I just needed to be more educated about it all. And then maybe that wouldn't have happened. Um, but I made it to stage. I competed in the Kentucky Muscle, did pretty well. Um, I got second 
in novice third and open. And then um, I was qualified to compete nationally. So I wanted to make sure I got a national show under my belt. So after that, I stayed in prep um, for Miami nationals and I competed there. And my goal was to just get top 10. I wasn't, I'm like, this is my first national show. I'm not thinking like super high standards, like top three or even top five. I just want top 10. And that's what I got. I got top 10. Um, I got eighth place out of 38 girls. And I was show after your national competition, after taking eighth, which that's really good guys. The national shows are super competitive. So if you are getting top 10 at your first national show, that's damn good. If you get a first call out, like you're a unicorn, like that hardly ever happens. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, since we were in Miami and my parents came down to see us, um, we decided to stay in Florida for the holidays. Now, post-show going through the holidays is not something I would wish on anybody because that is tough. Mm-hmm. Um I'm, I'm happy that I did pretty well through like Thanksgiving, um, mainly because like I was in Florida and we didn't have like access to a ton of food and cooking and, you know, all that. So it was relatively easy for me. But once I got back home, holidays were in full effect. Um, I live in Michigan, so, you know, it's snowing. It's all the Christmas vibes. Everybody wants to go out to eat. And I knew better about reverse dieting and what I should do. And I adhered to my reverse diet. I would say, um, obviously not on Christmas day and Christmas Eve, but pretty well throughout the month of November, December, and into January. But then I started to fall off the wagon a bit because it's sweater weather. I can just wear leggings. It's totally fine. No big deal. And I, it, I just struggled more with being consistent and showing up for my coach and I wanted to enjoy life for what it was and go out to eat. And, and I really like doing that. I like going out to eat, trying new beers, trying new food. Like that's what I wanted to do. But I found myself always wanting dessert after or waking up and wanting treats. And my sugar cravings got to a point where my binge eating came back and it was almost something I couldn't control again. Once again, that uncontrollable feeling. And I binge ate for all the month of February, March, and just about April. So for three months, I would probably binge eat three or four days every week for three months. And that hurt my body. I, I didn't, only regain all my weight back, I gained an extra 15 or 20 pounds on top of that. So Mm. when people say embrace the thickness and don't worry, it's all muscle, that ain't true. Um, I went from stage weight was 120 again. And I think the heaviest I clocked in at was like 167. So you guys, that's an extra 47 pounds on my frame. And yes, I'm tall. I'm 5'7", so like I could kind of handle it. But mentally, that was just one of the biggest struggles ever to basically blow myself out and rebound that hard and feel like I broke myself because of it. And and we hear that a lot in, in the world of competing that, 
oh, now I broke my metabolism or I won't ever be able to diet again or, you know, I can't come back from this. And you can, it's just going to take a lot more work than it did in the first place. So that was, I mean, I'm, I'm still struggling with my weight right now. Um, I have successfully lost, you know, about 15 pounds. I'm down to, I think, 154 right now. Yeah. Um, and while I'm not happy with that, I think I'm carrying it really well right now. Yeah, you are. You're also like getting to a point where I feel like you were trying to prep, but you were, you said, but you're tr- doing it for the wrong reasons, right? Yeah, yeah. I, so because I gained all that weight back, I thought, well, you know, I'll just start a prep again and I'll be fine. So it's okay. So I can have my last supper feelings. I can go to all these places and I can eat all this food and it'll be fine. I'll just start prep again. Mm-hmm. And I was using a contest prep to just diet like any other person would. And that's why every single time I tried to start a prep, I failed. I would send my check-ins and I'd be spot on for three weeks and then I would have an off day. And like an off day in prep is not something you should have, but like an off day in a lifestyle cut is just an untracked day and you move on. But that's not something that you can give yourself that much grace for in a prep. So I was really beating myself up about it. And I, I would go another three weeks and crash. And then I, then I quit prep. I was like, I can't do this. And then a month went by and I was like, okay, I want to prep. I want to get back on stage. I see all these people doing this. I want to do it too. And so I'd try again and it didn't work again. And that was so defeating. But I think the third time around, third time's a charm, I, <laughs> I started my prep and I was doing really well. I hit, I think I was eight weeks in nailing my macros every day, my training, my cardio, but eight weeks in, and I think I only lost five pounds. So that was pretty frustrating because I'm so used to losing a pound or two a week, you know? And the second time around when you prep is not going to be like the first time around, because especially if you go through what I went through and do a post-show rebound like thing. So I was just getting frustrated and I thought, is this worth my sanity right now to try and get back to the stage? So I had to really reevaluate what my priorities were in life. And because I literally had the worst year in 2018, like feeling like crap about my body the entire time. I mean, my parents live on a lake and I never jumped in the lake the entire year. I never got in a bikini the entire year. I hid in my house. I worked extra hours and it was just a miserable year. And I thought I'll be damned if I have another year like that. So I didn't want to sacrifice the mental clarity that I was gaining with my body for another prep. So pulling out of a prep this time didn't feel like defeat. It felt like I'm doing this for my mental health more so than just failing at it. So that was a win for me to even come to that realization. And I think that's super important is like realizing when to push and when to pull back. And I've had a lot of people, I mean, like with what I'm going on in my personal life, they're like, are you like sure you're okay prepping? And 
right now, like, yes, that's been a great source of structure and energy for me to focus on than what I went through, which I'm, I feel like I'm a lot better emotionally after my breakup, which was basically like a divorce since we were living together. Mm -hmm. Um, But I, I used it as like structure and that helped me, but I could also see where that could like destroy someone and like take away from that healing process. And I think that we're all so individual and you have to stay in tune with your body and know like, Hey, like, is this serving me right now? Or is this hurting me? Yeah, that's a big one. Um, Cause I know for me, when I, when I wanted to pull out from the prep again, I was doing it out of a place of love for myself, not out of a place of hate because I failed. So like, like for you, you were doing it out of a place of love for yourself. Like I love myself so much. I want to give myself more structure to help me through this point in my life. And mine was, I love myself so much. I don't want to sacrifice my mental clarity right now for a prep and just enjoy what I couldn't enjoy last year. So it's, it's literally out of a place of love. You can't, you cannot do a contest prep because you're mad at yourself for something. Or you want a goal body. I get so angry when people are like, I want to like look like a competitor, but I don't want to do like what a competitor does. And I'm like, uh, that's not a thing unless you're a genetic freak. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. And it's like, I, I think about, do, do I want to look like a competitor again? Like, is that my goal? Is that why I kept wanting to start prep? And the answer is no. I actually want to look like the woman I was before I ever competed. Like I want to be her. That's beautiful. Yeah. I, I don't see, I mean, what you see on stage is completely different than what you actually look like in real life. You look sick. I tell people, and it's really messed up, but like when I start to get the comments of your face looks really skinny or you look really thin, like that's actually what you look like. Like on stage, you look jacked up. Yeah. But in person, you actually look pretty small. Yeah. I, um, I have two instances that were pretty traumatic for me in prep. Um, I went to try clothes on for Miami. Cause I'm like, well, I'm going to be in Miami. I need clothes that fit me and I'm tiny right now. And you would think I'm cute. I'm tiny. Anything's going to fit me. Nothing fit me. Nothing okay. fit. Me right. Everything, yeah. Everything just looked so wrong on my body because I don't have curves anymore. I don't have like, a sexy body anymore I'm literally just like real thin yeah and I cried in the dressing room I I cried I put all the clothes away I told my boyfriend I don't want to be here and we left I um I had that happened and I mean mine's actually related to like my chest and yes I did get an augmentation everybody knows that but I will say I remember trying on a sports bra and the elastic you know like at the bottom of my sports bra was not elastic on my body anymore it was just hanging like it was just like a little cloth thing hanging off of my body and I I mean that's the circumference of my body but also the fact that I lost all of my breast basically and I just like remember getting ready and I started getting really emotional and I I was like what like I I don't feel good like I feel like I, I was embarrassed to go in front of my mom because I felt like I was gonna disappoint her yeah Cause I didn't look good. Yeah. I know that feeling too. Um, the second one that I was going to mention, I was seeing a chiropractor at the time and he wanted to adjust me before I went to Miami. 
And when he saw me, he had to completely redo his treatment on me because he said, if I do what I normally do, I'm worried I'm going to break your ribs. Oh, my God. Because I was so small. And he's like, I don't know if your frame can handle the pressure. And I was like, whoa, okay. (laughs) I'm that fragile right now that, all right. So one thing, though, I do want to say, like, we are talking about a lot of heavy things right now with, you know, how I guess bad it can get when you're that lean. And it's funny because I still want to do it again. <laughs> you're I mean, it. I'm doing, I'm doing it right now, but yeah, it's like, I can own everything. Like I own it. Like, I'm not just like, it's healthy, like rainbows and butterflies. I'm not struggling. Like this past week, like I'm not even going to say my protocols because they're not ethical really. And I don't want anyone to follow them, but it is not good. Like it is hell. But I embrace it and I understand it and I know like how I'm going to feel on stage is going to be worth it. But then again, like I love the other part of my life where like I can have the social freedom and eating out and I can have more of an experience with those things. And yeah, I miss it. But there's a time to prep and a time to live your life. But I I do it because I love the sport. I love the challenge. But I also accept all the risk. And I think if you're wanting to prep, you better own all the risk that will happen and know that's why I do my podcast. Like know like all the, like the mindset things that you might experience too. Yeah. And, and that's a hundred percent what you said. You have to own the risk because ultimately you should choose to prep and compete, not for the end goal physique, but because of what you're going to learn throughout it and the kind of dedication you have to put towards it. Yeah. Really makes you just mentally tougher. To like I almost cried yesterday just from it. <laughs> yeah. Like I was thinking about like, cause I, I'm about to move across the country. I just got a dog. I went through a big breakup and I still have stuck to my macros. I've stuck to my training. Like I haven't missed anything. And I just was like on the elliptical and I was like, wow, I'm proud of you, Nicole. Like it feels, prep makes you proud of yourself. And I was like, the fact that you could stick to that structure really proves to me how strong I am and like that that made me really happy with myself and it wasn't because I've lost weight it wasn't actually anything to do with losing weight it was more or less the fact that when shit hits the fan I can hold my shit together so that's going to carry me over for the rest of my life Mm -hmm. and you're you're doing this all out of a place of love for what you're doing which is oh yeah again exactly what you need to be doing yeah you're gonna make me emotional (laughs) I'm like trying to hold back the tears because it's just so, it's just so much passion involved in this. Yeah, there really is. Like I will be like on the treadmill, like or on the elliptical and whenever it gets hard or I'm tired, I just like, I can envision and I can hear them like say like my first and last name and like an IFBB behind it, which that's what I want. Like guys, like I want to walk the Olympia stage one day and I don't know if that's going to be three years 10 years who knows but that's what I want so bad and like even me just saying that out loud right now like I get chills on my neck because like I've been wanting that so bad yeah but um Alexis I know a lot of people are wanting to compete and maybe they're still interested after this podcast (laughs) (laughs) um it's pretty dark but What's your advice for future competitors? Like, if you could go back and talk to Alexis who wanted to step on stage, what would you tell her? Uh, Well, one, I would say 
congratulations for having enough muscle to start this. Fuck yeah. <laughs> because you, you need the muscular foundation to start this. Um, yep. I, I, I don't think people should ever do competing just for a weight loss journey. It should be what we've talked about before. Um, but also I would say since I, since my eating disorder did come back, um, the biggest thing I would say is your prep isn't just the 16 weeks or however long it takes for you and your coach to decide to get to stage. That is not your entire prep. Your prep starts before that time frame and goes well into after that because it is something that you have to completely dedicate yourself to. That post-show time, you are so fragile. and Mentally and physically. Oh, Yeah. You definitely need a plan with your coach. And I would say with whoever you live with, if you live with somebody, let them know the diet's not over yet. I got to get back to a good place before we can start going out to eat and hitting barbecues and whatever it is you guys do. Um, yeah, that's, that's the biggest thing. Watch your post-show plan. Yeah. And that's super important too. Like even myself, like I'm already thinking about my reverse diet and what that's going to look like and what my post-show plans are, which I'm actually going to do a very slow reverse this time around. Um, I'm grateful at the fact that I'll be right by Paul down in Tampa. Um, So that'll be nice. But I already have a plan like for the next year after in my head. Yeah. I'm not just going to step on stage and be like, okay, that's it. That's all. No, work's not done. Yeah, And you should still, my advice to a future competitor is if this is not a lifestyle, if you need someone to motivate you to go to the gym and track your macros and you can't do that for yourself, you're not ready. Yeah. Yeah. That's the thing for me. I had already been actively weightlifting for like eight years before I even decided to start competing. I, I had already had that ingrained into my body that okay, we're going to go to the gym, we're going to, you know, eat healthy. And then, you know, every so often I would splurge. And that was my lifestyle. And it was just something that I had always done and always known. So when prep started, I just kept doing what I've always done. And that's the best way to go about it. Yeah. So okay. Um, Alexis, also one more thing, I've been doing this more might not have a quote, but what is a quote that you're currently inspired by or living by right now? Do you have one? Oh, man. Um, Yeah, I do. And I don't want to get it wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Well, I have I have a tattoo on my wrist and it says strength. Um, And mainly that it came from a song. And I think it was by Mumford and Sons and it was, you'll find strength in pain. Wow. Yeah. And just that, and I, it's, I only have the word strength. I don't have the whole saying, but when I see that, I think of that. And it's funny too. Um, it's on my wrist for a reason. So I can always see it. And because when I, when I was binge eating and I'd put food in my mouth, I could see it before I would put the food in my mouth and it would remind me that I'm stronger. Oh my gosh. You're giving me chills right now for a second. I am. It's just, I I wanted to constantly remind myself that the pain I've been through, Mm -hmm. I can be stronger than that. And the, like the thing with binge eating, if I am going to eat and I see this tattoo, I'm stronger than the pain I'm about to put myself through. So stop. 
So I struggled with, I'm about, I'm not, <laughs> I'm trying to decide if I want to get a tattoo or not. And I'm very leaning towards it. And you actually follow Emily Hayden as well. Mm-hmm. And you know her evolved tattoo? Yeah. You've seen my growth as a person within the past two years, which I feel like has been rapid. Yeah. Um, and same thing with me struggling with bulimia. And I actually lost my grandmother and an aunt to bulimia um, runs my family. And I wanted to get the tattoo evolved right where Emily does, but on my right hand, because that's the hand that I would harm myself with. And that would remind me if I ever had the urge or felt like I was going to relapse, that I would have that to look at to evolve and to grow past that. Yeah. It can be a great reminder. Yeah. Yeah. So thank you so much for sharing that, Alexis. Um, Where can people find you? I'm going to have all your information down below in the description, but plug some sponsors and plug, you know, where we can find you at. Well, obviously I'm on Instagram. (laughs) Um, My handle is at Alexis underscore fit co. So F I T C O. Um, And I have a Facebook, but I kind of keep it for like just friends and family. Um, I do also have a YouTube channel and it's funny. I was doing like a prep series on my YouTube um, and obviously that ended. So now I'm going to be doing more lifestyle stuff. Um, and one that people really wanted to see, cause I asked my Instagram followers what they wanted to see. They want to see me go out to eat. <laughs> okay. That's what I love to do. So that's going to be some vlogs coming up, but, um, my YouTube's just my name, Alexis Collins. Um, and yeah, I think that's about it. I, I am affiliated with biome. So mm-hmm. I always have all my affiliate links in my link tree and my bio on Instagram. So you can get some stuff there. Yes. And they have really great products for your gut, which is super important, but that's another talk for another day. Yeah, That's a whole nother conversation. <laughs> Jeez Louise. But thank you so much for taking time to chat with me. Uh, guys, if you found this episode helpful, make sure you go ahead and share it. Even if it's not a competitor, but someone out there that you know is struggling with chronic dieting and dealing with possibly binge eating disorder, um, feel free to share it and it'd be greatly appreciated. So thanks again, Alexis. Yeah, thank you. I so enjoyed this conversation that we had. It was a great one.